You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, several episodes back, if you'll remember, we talked with a couple of special guests about kids and music and all the surprising benefits, or maybe not so surprising, that music exposure, learning to play an instrument, or being part of a vocal ensemble gives kids. So we thought it was only right that we give the subject of art a fair shake, since it too is often on the chopping block in underfunded educational areas. What does art have to offer kids? Well, I know some things, but thankfully we have an expert here today. Yeah. <laughs> today, to help us tackle this topic, we have Ms. Sean Boffman. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, who I just found out, we went to high school together. <laughs> I, know. I was like, I don't know this so art fun. teacher. Who, like, you, you booked this appointment. <laughs> and then we realized, oh, we're at, we were at high school together. That's so cool. Yes. And you can't Home see her, like, moms and dads who might be listening but she still has really good hair <laughs> it was Thank really you. good it's in just my mustache now <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh-uh, uh-uh. it was really good in the 80s but i mean it was good 80s hair but it's really really great now 2023 it's, it's looking yeah. fantastic Thank okay you. so tell us about um because bonnie says you're one of the earth's best art teachers oh absolutely. wow so <laughs> talk to us about how you got here how'd you become an art teacher yeah why art for you I was always around art when I was a kid. My grandmother is an artist. She actually had the Murfreesboro Art and Frame Shop here in town in the um, 70s and 80s. I was always interested in it. And um, I just slowly kept adding more and more to my repertoire. One of the first things I remember as a kid uh, being drawn to it before I even knew what graphic design was being intrigued on how the Little House on the Prairie font was different from oh. the MASH font and how it visually matched the shows. And so I would draw alphabets and thought I would have a sign company um, when I grew up that would cater your alphabet to your uh, business. <laughs> Even though I didn't know what graphic design or fonts or anything like was. That explains Letters. this room we're sitting in, Miss Boffman, yeah. because <laughs> the handwriting is phenomenal on all the little signs oh, that's, in the room. That's my favorite. Like yeah. watching uh, experts write the word minimum. Ooh, <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh. I love that. Well, she, Miss Boffman, should we call you Sean? You can call me Sean. Okay. Well, yes. we're in a school setting. I immediately de- default I to know. like authority it's the structures. Name. Oh, it's the yeah. teacher name. I, um, I'm 50 something mm-hmm. and I'm just calling her Miss Boffman. I mean, <laughs> me too. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. So she happened to have taught both my children from K through however long they stayed with you. Ben was K through five, I think. And okay. my daughter Savannah was K through eight. Um, so all of those years, that was their art education. And uh, well, I'll get into some of that a little bit later. But she is here local in Tennessee at McFadden yes. Elementary. Um, is it called McFadden School of Excellence or something oh, yeah. like School that on the sign? McFadden yes, School of Excellence. That's what I thought I saw on the sign. MSE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many years have you been here? This is my 23rd year. Wow. 
Wow. Like, that's exciting. All, that's a ton of kids that have come through and it, it's, it's a lot. Wow. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for being here. What, what about your family? Tell us about of who, course. Who are you? Oh, I am, you know, Sean Boffman, daughter of Steve and Shelley. I grew up in a girl house. I have a sister, um, so we outnumbered my dad. We grew up here. Um, my dad had a bicycle shop growing up, so we always felt kind of involved in the community and knew a lot of other kids. Uh, like I said, my grandmother also was a business owner here, and I pretty much just lived here my whole life. I ventured off to college, went to Auburn, um, did not like being far away nor poor, and uh, I I came home. Plus, Auburn didn't have an art ed program. Like, I definitely knew I wanted to study visual arts from an early age, but then I shifted and really wanted to do art ed. So I came back home where the great and wonderful uh, Lon Newell, who I'd babysat for through high school, was the art ed uh, chair and helped advise me all through my many college years. So you went. You came back to school at MTSU. I came back to school okay. uh, and went to MTSU. I have my BFA in painting and pottery, and then also because I had many years of school, uh, simultaneously got a BS in art ed. Okay. So. Wow. Pottery. That's my dream, Sean. It's, you just struck a chord on my heart. It, it, it's it's pretty good. Well, I studied that, not necessarily because it was a passion of mine, but because I knew I wanted to go in art ed. So I felt like I needed to have a good foundation on two-dimensional and three-dimensional. Um, at the time, there was uh, sculpture, which just seemed honestly like too much math. And math. the yeah, it was it's a lot of math. Mm. The measurements, I'm definitely... Definitely more of a visual person, so I need a piece of wood about yay long, not necessarily <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, measurement long. But um, jewelry was the other option, but I knew in an elementary or a high school setting that was going to be expensive, and I would not have the mm-hmm. opportunity to teach it too much. Right. right. Oh. Okay, so there's this awesome website called the art, artfulparent.com, and um, educators are telling us that art encourages... I think we all kind of intuitively know this. Fine motor skills. Absolutely. Neural development, problem-solving abilities, and that it can be used effectively to teach and understand other key subjects, such as reading, writing, math, and science, which you just said. Yes. Sculpting comes into math. What else? How, what else? Explain what else? How that Well, happens. when you break down art, you're basically breaking it down to the seven basic elements. The three first ones are line, shape, and space. So when you think about letters or alphabets... That's mm. line, yeah, shapes, that and space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have reading. That's immediately going to help your reading, not to mention your fine motor skills um, and building. But art is also a way that you just make connections. This goes to this as this goes to this. And when you're able to easily connect one subject area to another subject area, I think it makes things last longer. It, it makes more mm. sense. Okay. So like, uh, what is it? Red and yellow make orange. Right. That's science. Yes. That's magic. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's science. Maps. Social studies. That is art. Mm. You know, when you think about. Some of the prettiest maps I've ever uh, seen. The dragons and stuff. I'm a map nerd. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, who doesn't love an awesome map? But even, you know, I know I've done lessons with where we've associated the color wheel with the clock and telling time as far as placement and associating the placement of the colors of the color wheel with the placement of the clock just making those connections that you can yeah i'm um, thinking of geometry 
Yes. Um, well, you said shapes, but perspective. Right. Shape versus form. And yes. Which is also foreground, kind of middle ground, physics. background. Um, we do a lot of things like when we break down or look at famous works of art. So, you know, in Grant Wood's American Gothic with the farmer's daughter and the farmer and the iconic uh, farmhouse in the back. So immediately you have characters and a setting. So you can oh. ask what the plot is. Yeah. And then you can. I love that. We my should. mind just got blown. Did you see <laughs> the look on my face? <laughs> yeah. You, you mind can, grenade. Then you can talk about parodies where you change the character and the setting, but you still, because of the placement and the proportion, you still immediately recognize it as those the forms, original the American work. Gothic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thing. So you have, instead of the two people, you might have a dog and a cat together. Exactly. That kind of thing with the pitchfork. Exactly. You might have Dr. Blair, our school principal, and Peyton Manning because they're big UT fans. These are some of the things that the students had come up with. I love that. Yes. fun. so interesting. It's fun. Yeah. So this is for any kind of, this is any child, any human being can do this. It's not just extra super smart magnet school students or whatever gifted students. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's one of the things that's so important about art education is that it's not only, it's on levels yes you can get better you can practice um but there is a sense of intuitiveness about it that there is no wrong answer so the basic thing is it's the big gray space Mm -hmm. where so many other subjects can be broken down into merely black and white and i think education is changing we're trying to examine the gray space more Mm -hmm. but i think art really does that very easily of all different subjects that's interesting because we were talking before this I never had one, not one art class, my entire education. Not in. Can you believe that? Not in yeah. elementary, not in, you know, high school, I not in college. I was shocked when you told me that. Never. And I tend to look at things very black and white. And I wonder yes. if that might be why. I mean, I'm, I think I'm creative. I write, mm-hmm. but that's interesting. Well, and I didn't have elementary art either. It wasn't offered in our schools. I think they basically, you know, of course, it's all funding. And because in elementary school, you are, it's so project-based anyway. And you're cutting and drawing skills, um, writing skills. But we did have music education. And I can remember feeling like, you know, even as a child, that was an injustice. That Mm. that wasn't fair that you didn't offer other disciplines in the same regard. But I've also been, so from having no art education to the way I taught your children which was a very discipline-based art education it was teacher-led we looked more at um, you know art production art criticism art history uh, art cultures but I've now embraced a new method of teaching that is teaching for artistic behaviors which is definitely it's not as much teaching about art and how to make a specific thing Um, you're teaching those skill sets but you are also teaching problem solving and creativity. So in some ways, I feel like I'm teaching less because it's not as much direction following. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more trial and error, figure it kind out. Kind of engineering. Yes. And of. I was completely nervous about this when it was introduced because basically the child is the artist and they get to decide what they're going to make and how... They make it. Get, get, what does this look like? You walk in here and you have supplies out? Yes. So the classroom is arranged in studios and we introduce studios. So the first nine weeks we are introducing um, drawing, 
painting and collage. The second night, we, the nine weeks, we might take our collage into three-dimensional paper building and sculpture architecture, which architecture really is more the building with alternative forms as far as Legos or Tinker Toys or things like that, seeing how you have a 2D form transform into a 3D form okay, and then clay. And then, you know, we'll open the fiber studio where they're learning sewing skills and pattern making um, and then the printmaking studio. Honestly, I open those simultaneously because I cannot print all day as far as a demo and help thread needles all day. So we divide that. <laughs> Little kids are printing. The two through fives are in the fiber studio and then we'll swap. Swap. Yeah. So you're, you're putting those different mediums out there and then they're just doing what they want to do. Yes. So they, we, uh, I teach kind of how to make a plan. You know, we teach brainstorming how to come up with a plan. Oh, that's good. To do a direction. Now with the little children, it's more um, because they're so intuitive and I want to start this immediately and technically don't have the strong, uh, stronger writing skills. So they will do it more as a reflection than a plan so they'll say what they want to make what they're going to use they might do a little sketch and then we have you know all kind of problem solvings because in the discipline way I had pre-solved all the power problems based on time like oh where's it going to mess up okay so we need to do it this way instead but one of the things that really set me on this path is I had a friend that moved to Boston a couple of years ago and I asked her how she was doing. She was like, fine, but I just don't know where anything is. And I was like, oh, is it that crazy? And she said, no, I just put in the Google map or Alexa, and I just follow the directions so I can't get anywhere on my own. That's so true. I yes. had the exact same thing happen to me. <laughs> yes. And I thought, they're just following directions, and they can't get there on their own. Because what I was seeing is it wasn't being used in their other skill set. So they would make these things in my classroom, but they wouldn't necessarily use the facial proportion in their other class or in their other art. Uh, They weren't out in the world. They wouldn't take it it with us. That's so interesting. I think I can see maybe applications for a little bit of both. Your way, the the new way sounds Montessori-ish. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Ish-esque. Ish-esque, yes. (laughs) But the old way sounds... um, well, I'll just say from my, my kids' mm-hmm. perspective, I know they got um, knowledge, just basic yes. art knowledge, and also art history, awareness of art at all that I certainly wasn't giving them because I never had anything like that. They blew my minds coming home from well, your class. I think that's the pendulum. So in, in the history of art education. <laughs> so this this tab method is really based on a very old theory by Lowenfeld that was like you are merely a supplier of materials and the children just create. He probably didn't have 25 children in one room. But <laughs> they are. Good point. Thanks. <laughs> um, but then when Sputnik and the space program took off in the 60s, uh, math and sciences were the huge push. So art education had to be measurable. Mm. So you had to break it down more into objectives as far as can you um, list characteristics of Jackson Pollock's work or you know, Frida Kahlo's work. Yeah. And then can you replicate or add those things into your artwork? So you know, your kids, I feel like, got a great art education. It was just 
different it because, different, yeah. well, now you think about all the information that is so readily available. You can just look that up. You can you yeah. can get that information any given moment at any given time. So what you really have to do is to try to have that creative thinking and problem solving. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing that in a um, teacher in service, like we're preparing these children for jobs that haven't even been created yet. So they have so to be able to think a little bit. Outside. They have yeah. to, like, we've got to teach them how to think of, oh, what's a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to be the ones coming up with the jobs yeah, that don't exist and then doing them. So, Renee, your kids were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So what role did art play? It did it at your house? Yeah, well, I, my first child was real interested in art. So... I was like, well, I can probably hire somebody. So, I mean, in the preschool years, she had to get in her hands dirty. And I was kind of concerned about that. She didn't want to finger paint. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Do you find that with your kids at all? It, they it, don't like getting their hands dirty? It almost depends on their background and upbringing. You know, we have a lot of, uh, we'll have we'll have families that, you know, it's like, oh, we just don't do the mess. Like, they might have watercolors, <laughs> but we just don't do the mess and um so then they're very sensory like you would like it's too sticky um, glue is yeah sticky. well they'll yeah. either they'll either freak out and not like it or feel bad or guilty or it will be like a kid in the candy shop yeah, they love um, it. because yeah. they love it they haven't gotten to <laughs> to do, do this well for instance yeah. i have a fabulous thir- third grader that i love and makes all these connections but the only me- medium he wants to use is sharpie and we've tried to be like, okay, this is great. But your challenge this week is you're going to use a combination of Sharpie and paint. Or, but he's, and he has said, yeah, but I don't have Sharpies at home. My parents don't trust me with them. So I can only use them here. <laughs> so I contacted Got parents it. and I was like, Got oh it. my gosh, buy the shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, I, work hilarious. with me here, people. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. She didn't want to put her fingers in her first mm-hmm. year birthday cake icing you know she right. just put yeah, one little pink, just, just one little yeah. finger in there so anyway she was not real like diving into exploring and things and yet she always wanted to have like paper and crayons or pencils or pens right. and never wanted to just like if I put a video on so I could get supper you know cooked or something she didn't want to just sit and watch a video she wanted to draw and always be doing right. something and to yeah so to this day she loves to work with her hands and she ended up majoring in graphic design in college. Which so, is perfect because it's creative and not very messy. And not messy. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And so so what I just outsourced it. So when we lived in Indianapolis, there was an art teacher who had a studio and I, we paid for lessons and they got mm-hmm. to do all kinds of things like you're describing to me. I did not know what she was doing. Like I knew what she was doing. I saw what they were bringing home, but I didn't know why. Right. So they, yeah, they did painted like Van Gogh. Or they painted like whoever fell in the blank, and then they had sculptures and they had pottery and all the all the different mediums and um, and so that was good. But she would tell you if she were sitting here for our conversation that she wished she had more art. So that when when she got to college and was taking the classes that you may have taken, mm-hmm. Sean, like um, just drawing and painting right. and the prerequisites in the art department, she felt like she was not as good as her peers that is also the undertone <laughs> of all artists that i am not oh, yeah. as good <laughs> yes the the other thing especially working here with a magnet mindset where their cognitive abilities are really so high but you know teaching art 
their motor skills are just on age level. So the PE teacher and I might joke about how, oh, they're in first grade and they can read Harry Potter. Doesn't mean they can hold a pencil or skip. Their bodies are still. So a lot of times I will have frustration because they have a vision. Mm -hmm. They know what they want to do. Um, I would say the Blaylock children were prime examples. They, they know what they want it to be, but they're just not physically developed yet to mm-hmm. get it there. So, you know, the child that's saying, my mind doesn't look like Picasso's. It's like, dude, you are <laughs> yes. seven. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was 97. Give yourself almost 100 years and see where you are yeah. then because they yeah. have this vision. But what that has taught me personally is it's a fantastic reminder to... You can't speculate on what it should be. You just have to appreciate what you have. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it is, that this is how I think it should be. And I have disappoint, disappointment and frustration because I can't appreciate what I have created or what I already have. Well, shoot, isn't that mm-hmm. life? That's, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. life in a nutshell right mm-hmm. there. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> if we could all just get to mm-hmm. that part. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What what do you think a student's particular art can tell you about that student academically? Mike, my Ben, and he would admit this. I don't know that he really ever got past the potato person stage. <laughs> the potato person, <laughs> yes. He just, art's just not his thing. Like he sees and visualizes and does, um, learns kinetically in all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. He hears, anything he hears, he yes. can tell you it like in full. But he's just not the visual um Art person. person. Just, well, see, I and know. I know because when you mentioned Ben's name, I immediately thought of architecture because he was definitely more linear and kind of geometric. As a, if I was going to describe your two children, he is geometric. Savvy is organic. Like you know, they're okay. The, the, I feel like that. That's the type of. Um, thinkers they were, yeah. but it's not necessarily that. So um, that's reflected in their things that they drew. Yes, or their approaches to things. There, there. I, I think it would be their approaches to things more, and of course, just the stages they were in, and the um, you know their developmental stages, but also just what they personally were interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, one was definitely more. I don't want to say studious. That is not it whatsoever, but always it was very important to excel and be in the top and the other one seemed to be a little more comfortable and had a little more you know there was just a little more relaxation and enjoyed the like oh the the, process well enjoyed the process and even the comedy in the potato head Uh uh-huh you know it wasn't as important that that looked realistic (laughs) absolutely it was important that this was, you know, funny, something fun and something, you know, yeah. but, and not oh, that yeah. there was one that was right and one that was wrong. Yeah. It was just their different yeah. personalities. Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, that there's a lot of insight that I see when they are making their artwork. Like, you know, in the past we've had a child that was fairly aggressive, but nothing about his home life or his style would make it seem like it. But, you know, we came to find out, oh, he was watching, like, some more adult-themed mm. shows. And, you know, when your artwork is about Squid Game. And, yes, I was like, oh, did, you know, there, there were just some darker 
yeah. themes there. And it's like, okay, so even that though you out. may not be displaying that personally, he is. It's internalized. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's internalized and it's coming out. But then on the flip side, like um, uh, we had a child, her parents were going through a divorce. And especially with this tab teaching, she developed a treehouse that she made out of cardboard and toilet paper rolls and tissue paper and it was this amazing Mm. treehouse and I was like oh what inspired you and she said well you know I'm not in my house anymore that and we had to leave my treehouse so now I can take this treehouse whether I'm at my mom's house or my dad's house yeah Mm. yeah so you know it was also a therapeutic yes and a coping skill Sure. Yeah, which is a perfect segue to the the stuff you found online. Um, therapists tell us art is valuable. It, children can process their world, which is what you're describing. Deal with scary emotions in a safe way. So I'm just thinking as a parent, I'm listening to you talk. What would you encourage parents to do in terms of art? Let them get messy. Mm-hmm. I heard that. <laughs> well, I'm a Sharpie. Yeah. But, you know, like it's a beautiful, seems like a beautiful way to um, express yourself in a season of life when you're, you know, zero to five or six or seven or eight or nine. You don't can't put word, words to what's going on right. internally. Is there something we can be doing as parents that would help that child? You know, I feel like it's provide the materials and give them some space. Okay. It, it really is because... Um, for them to have that self-expression. And that's why one of the reasons I moved to the tab method, for them to really truly be creative and original. They're not necessarily following a direction. Mm-hmm. So you can see what happens and what is truly their idea. At the same time, you get to see them work through that. Because really, is there that much difference between working through an artistic problem, trying something, trying it in a new way, trying a different material than working through an emotional problem. I tried this, it didn't work. I tried this, it didn't work. Oh, but I tried this and this and that. And look, worked. something beautiful mm-hmm. came. Right. Yeah. So it's that. problem solving. And it doesn't really matter. So give them some paper. What the mm-hmm. method is. Some clay, some yeah, and it, whatever. Just... Play-Doh. I mean, Play-Doh is a kid. Let them do it. A variety mm-hmm. of things. I wish you guys could Stick see this classroom dirt. that we're sitting in. It is full of felt and magnet letters and any kind of colored tape mm-hmm. or paper that you would ever have wanted. Um, pipe cleaners, feathers, foam letters, googly eyes, glitter glue. Glitter, I know, is a really sensitive triggering issue to some people. <laughs> I mean, all anything can be an art material. So junk in your house, what is trash to you can be made into, I don't know, something totally cool for your kids. Oh, the sculpture studio is 100% free minus the pipe cleaners. I think that's the only thing we purchased. Purchased. Wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this piece over here and it's all the different architectural components made out of cardboard slots slot and tab tabs hinges oh the attachment challenge the attachment yeah like hot glue doesn't solve every issue you have (laughs) (laughs) oh contraire (laughs) i mean those are fighting words if only the hot glue made everything work it does not it does not that's how i sew and that's just an amazon box over there cut up that's great how awesome is that love that 
I mean, it is hard because, I mean, I remember being that tired mom going, do I want, I know like the good mom would let them get the junk out on the kitchen table and do it. So find your thing. Yeah. I, I discovered real quick glitter was not happening, but glitter glue, glitter embedded in glue. Right. That was <laughs> all right. Pro tip. You want a lint roller, a uh, masking tape lint roller to be your <laughs> glitter pickup. There you go. There you go. I, ha- I have one on a stick. <laughs> a stick. Like one of those ceiling rollers for paint. I, yeah. So I felt like I was trying to deliberately be a free spirit and promote that, I guess, at home. So I would put a, we had a linoleum on our old kitchen floor and I would just put the finger paint on that floor. Nothing, you, I could clean it up. Wasn't going to hurt it. Yes. And we didn't finger paint. We foot painted because how fun is that? You can skate across the floor. That sounds horrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it, but it wasn't an everyday thing. Like I had to wake up and think, okay. Today's the day. We're just going to have fun. It's raining outside. We're going to go make something in the mud. Mm. And I don't mm-hmm. care. That's what the bathtub's for, you know? Yeah. Not every day. Trust me. Um, there were days where I was like, no mess. We are not having a mess yeah. day. Mm-hmm. But but every now and then to have just a yes day with the yeah. call and let's just break out something cool and get messy. It's a great idea, it's actually. It's fun for boys. You never told me you did that. Yeah. We did I mean, I knew you were all about the stuff. rain and the mud puddles, but I didn't know about the foot paint we did in the kitchen we, we had an enamel table and so my son um who is now 10 would uh paint on the table and we'd do mono prints so you paint on the table put paper and then that kind of cleans it up but it also great ideas moms yeah you anything you Love can hose that. down real quick mm-hmm. at the end uh mm-hmm. my grandmother awesome. my maternal grandmother not the artist here in tennessee but she lived in Florida, so we would go down there and i remember she had bottles of glue so we were much like glitter, we would take the bottles of glue to the beach and then draw on paper and sand. Sand. With oh, the yeah. Great idea. Yeah, simple, yeah. simple. Yeah, and great. then you can take another piece of paper and do a crown rubbing over that. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> oh, all kinds of nerdy yeah. stuff. Oh, you can do. Grandparent. That's, like tip That's for the great grandparents. ideas. Yep. Yeah, sure. great ideas. Well, I think we have to mention that crazy million-dollar trend that broke out around, around 2015, the adult coloring books. Yes. When that all of a sudden became this thing um so instead of sticking their creations on the fridge people were posting their finished pages all over social media under hashtag coloring my sister had a ton of them for some reason i I didn't i didn't buy into that thing i didn't color but there is a clinical psychologist in new york city dr ben McCallis, who was not surprised to see these coloring books being hailed as stress relievers or self-care items because he'd been using them in his practice for years recommending coloring to people with anxiety and he described it as a larger trend of people trying to unplug in some way to keep from staring at a screen. And I know all the pediatricians and mm-hmm. everybody we talk to says it's depression and anxiety is out the roof. Even kindergartners. Like Absolutely. Low, low. There's just this low-level cloud of it hanging over everybody. So can you weigh in on that? What, what do you think about you, – you work at this – communications technology magnet school yes 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 so and it's interesting because I you know started working in 99 so technology was not in the schools as it is today and it's very odd because now we have even more technology I feel like with the pandemic uh teachers and students it became yeah more of a teaching tool so I've kind of reverted as far as in the beginning there would be technology as far as you know powerpoint stop motion or Mm. you know just trying to do the digital art with just the simple paint 
apps. But now it is so prevalent and I'm kind of going back. So if we've incorporated technology so much in our schools that they're using it to take reading tests, that they're using it with math apps, then I'm, especially in elementary school, taking a step back. They have it in their homes, their parents have it in their pockets, and I'm really more interested in building up those fine motor skills. I saw a huge drop the year that um, my son was born was 2012, and so that next year in teaching, 2013, um, 14-ish, I was having to teach scissor skills again, which I hadn't taught in years and years. And I was like, I don't get it. These kids, they, they, they're having trouble cutting. So I don't know what's happened in preschool curriculum or, and my husband who works in tech says, well, the iPads came out when these kids were two. Wow. So they and I realized, so oh, I asked my. around, and this is like, you know, this is my unofficial data, but because of our school demographic where we are, you know, in a higher socioeconomic school, we, our kids had access to that. And when I asked around, my friends that taught art in lower socioeconomic schools, they weren't really seeing a difference. Mm. But then my friends that did teach in private schools, um, Mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And I thought this can't be coincidental. Because even when they were using a computer, you had a keyboard, you had a mouse that you had to grip. So you were building those muscles. Just the fact of turning a page is a grasp and release. So that helps you with pencils you know holding a pencil so yes the I feel like the iPad and technology has really yeah slowed slowed it down their fine motor skills so interesting don't use it too much so I've actually I've actually you know taken a step back from it I'm glad I'm glad so what about stress and depression do you see the rise I do. I feel the rise. Do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we all. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. I I, I feel the rise. And of course, the pandemic did not help with any of that. Um, I also feel like what technology has done is it's, it's not just the screen. It's the inundation, the constant sensory mm-hmm. overload mm-hmm. so I can remember thinking in well hearing in my college education classes teachers can't compete with Sesame Street and MTV the three-minute segments we can't mm-hmm. compete with that mm-hmm. we certainly cannot compete with what is happening now as far as being an entertainment level mm-hmm. to be constantly you got to be your own YouTube channel yeah to be constantly <laughs> stimulated yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah it's so it's do you feel difficult. Like yeah. I, I hope that you're seeing when students come into this classroom doing things the way that you're doing them, that there's kind of an audible Well, and that's, sigh that's what I'm trying to yeah. cre- create. Not necessarily to go backwards by any means, mm-hmm. but to give that space of creativity mm-hmm. and um, building their fine motor skills in alternative ways like sewing or uh, painting versus Mm -hmm. simply holding a pencil Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or clicking or tap, tap, tap. But when you think about those skills as far as like, oh, I have to do an answer. I have to write an answer. 
I have to fill in a bubble. Mm -hmm. I have to click Mm -hmm. on an answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have to poke an answer with one finger. Uh Mm -hmm. That makes a difference. Wow. We were not developmentally, neurologically wired Mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. It does. And it goes Mm -hmm. so... It goes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and I feel like sometimes with technology, uh, years ago I had read an article about any invention to make life easier on some level has made it a requirement to get more stuff done during the day. You know, when you think about, oh, the washing machine. So now you can do more things <laughs> right. mm-hmm. during the day. Yes, it's easier, but that used to be a day of washing. Mm-hmm. Now you're doing a day of washing plus something else. And, you know, just the immediacy versus the phone call to the fax to the email. And you're like, oh, what could be faster than email? Oh, text. Yeah. It can be, it's, yeah. there's, yeah. there's not. And so I feel like going back to what you said, the coloring book, mm-hmm. it's a forced pause right. that I think we mm-hmm. need. Okay, so I love that um, in Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes that we are God's masterpiece. And... Art can be a great jumping off point to talk about that with your children, how they were wonderfully made and designed, how the sunsets and landscapes were painted. They are just as a gift for our pleasure, God's pleasure and our pleasure. So, you know, if God's the creator of the universe, his imagination is phenomenal. We're made in his image. We're creators too. We have imagination and we're supposed to be co-creators. So one of my favorite questions for everything in life is what is it for? So, like, before you know if something is working, you need to know what it's for. Is your cell phone a hammer? Mm, well, you could use it as a hammer, but it's not really made to be a hammer. And, it, you know, it's an expensive hammer. Yes. So, what, what is art? What is art for? Well, and you said something. This, this isn't an exact answer to that question, but that's part of their discovery with the teaching artistic behaviors is they're having to find the right tool for the job. And the right tool for the job you are doing, even if it's the same job, may not be the tool for someone else. That we have different tool sets and they're individualized, Mm. Um, you know, in the way that we use them. We have actually done a definition of what is art lesson in here as far as holding up items is this art yes so anything that is (laughs) that's so funny because I will say like that is terrible art that's not art you know (laughs) that's not art my daughter gets really mad at me when I do that (laughs) That, that's not art well for instance when I opened up the fiber studio it was you know is this art yes is this art yes um but there was a quilt and there was a tie-dyed t-shirt and just a regular, you know, I think it was the Jump Rope for Heart t-shirt. So um, it took them a minute. To, well, the blanket's not art. Well, wait, no, somebody hand made that. And the design process was art. The t-shirt was not art. But the tie-dyed t-shirt, because there was a process in the color and the design, and that was handmade. Okay, well, then they moved on to the, oh, but that Jump Rope for Heart shirt, somebody decided the colors on it somebody designed the graphics on it so basically what they came up with what what art was is art was the idea Hmm. art was the idea so my mind's blown over here (laughs) it wasn't it didn't necessarily have to be handmade although the handmade things were more readily uh identified as art sure sure but it could be made by a machine but that when you broke it down, 
someone created it. It came from somewhere. And if it wasn't art, you know, because like we said, some of the students, is the stick art? No, it wasn't created. Well, God created it. Okay, so that was a definition for some. But then some said, oh, but it could be art, like an, uh, the artist Andy Goldsworthy, or, um, you know, you can carve this stick, so it may not be art yet. yet. Mm. Art is for what you need it to be. On some levels, it's therapy. On some levels, it's information. On some levels, it's communication, decoration. So art is one of those things, just like mom's. It's what you need it to be at that time. Mom's your beautiful art. We Bonnie. are art. Cool. Well, I mean, I like pretty better than ugly. And I like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about like my favorite wooden spoon, my favorite pot, my favorite chair in my house. I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. It's all. Why but do I have it the there? Other, but without the other, would you know that? Without the, without the ugly one, would I know that other one's pretty? Mm-hmm. Right. Much like, you know, when we have the loss of death, you know, everyone says, oh, you cannot have grief if you didn't have love. love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all, yeah, they're That's all existential questions here. I know, this is here. <laughs> <laughs> deep <laughs> theology and philosophy in the art I love classroom. it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> hmm. That's funny. Yeah, so, okay, so some people don't think of certain, uh, well, you said creativity and, and the idea of things, but um, certain activities as artful or not artful I think of cooking. Right. Because I would not say I'm an artist in the kitchen. Renee is. Our approaches are different. Mine's more utilitarian. But I feel like your approach to cooking is, I don't know, yeah, intuitive and creative. Well, and I feel like that that's what we said. It's what you need it to be yeah, that's at what, that time. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm thinking yours is art, Bonnie. Because because your family needs to eat, and you are taking raw materials, you know, like in cutting them up and cre- turning them into something else. Well, and it's a balance between an idea mm-hmm. and decision making. It it really is. Uh, there's a comedian. She's had a couple of comedy shows on Netflix. Oh, I cannot remember her name right now. But she also studied art history. So there she's looking at a um, Rubenesque painting in one of the paintings. I can't remember exactly which one it is. But there is a veil that is flowing down a nude woman's back and is wedged (laughs) in between her cheeks. And Uh she said, you know, this is odd, but she said, it's odd as a photograph, as a painting. That was a decision. That was a decision that someone Mm -hmm. made to portray. So much Mm -hmm. like you're cooking, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it is, it's just a decision. What goes with this? What goes with this? Okay, we're done. You know, it can have a decoration to it, or it can simply be function, or it can be a combination mm-hmm. of both. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. <laughs> My favorite is when it's, it's got a function, but it's got um, an idea behind it. Like, that's my favorite. Oh, the ball house. You know, it's my <laughs> favorite. Yes. The, um, you can have, and I can remember, I, I uh, was a babysitter for a woman that owned a Danish modern furniture store in Nashville. And I loved it because it was that balance of form and function Mm -hmm. that just was so great oh it doesn't have to be a coffee table yeah yeah 
can turn it into. I saw one the other day. Uh, it was a wood painting on the wall, basically, and he pulls it a little bit, and it becomes a desk. Oh, the engineering. Yes. Wow. Oh, the engineering design. Mm. Very of, cool. Uh, Very functional cool. furniture. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where and how kids can be exposed to art. I think we know now that almost anything can be art. You can, yes, if you portray it that way. Um, but where can you go? How can parents promote this? I, I think in an early age, at, a, at an early age when you're uh, a toddler, um, it is exploration. Like you seriously are getting the tactile feel of grass versus mud versus the soft, squishy stuffed animals versus Duplo and Lego blocks. Like just making sure you're exploring those tactile differences. And so you could just go in your backyard. Yes. <laughs> or a children's discovery museum. Right. And, and, you know, just kind of practice with arranging, um, you know, oh, these leaves. Is that pointing up? Is that pointing down? Mm. How many leaves are there? Oh, there's only one. Nope, we're overlapping. There's two. And then again, when you're overlapping those leaves, you have that math correlation as far as like how much of the leaf is showing a half, a fourth. Mm-hmm. Is it, um, you know, you have your prepositional phrases. Is it back up, you know, your directions? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's just that exploratory mm-hmm. time. Once kids get a little bit older when they're in their pre-schematic development, which is um, the giant head and the long skinny lines mm-hmm. body, you know, head body drawings. We know it. Drawings. <laughs> yes. We know it well. Um, and this was always very interesting to me because this is where it gets a little tricky as far as education. So it is perfectly within range to be in that pre-schematic developmental age between the ages of four and seven. Wow. Four and seven. Yeah. That's a huge So when you range. feel like if you are drawing a giant head and long skinny legs in kindergarten, but yet you could also still be doing it in second grade, that you are still developmentally within... Within range. Within range. And that's... For the average kid. Huge. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, Ben, whew, I don't <laughs> worry yeah. about you anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I think that some things that's important for parents to remember, especially when they're in school age... That birth month does still play a huge part when you say, oh, they're only three months younger. Mm -hmm. But if you compare a three-month-old to a six-month-old or a six-month-old to a nine-month-old developmentally, and that doesn't really start to level off until third, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we all know about the outliners, the you know, your birth age or when school systems start makes a huge difference as far as like, oh, they were always a leader because they were the oldest one Mm -hmm. in class. Mm -hmm. They were bigger, they were stronger, they were faster because they were nine months older. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That, that's it. Anyway, so the pre-schematic, like just giving them those different tools and anything you can do to try to grasp, um, you know, squirt bottles and mm-hmm. um, chopsticks, any type of threading or weaving or you just, just building those things up. So that's for the littles. The littles. Well, all really, but littles right. in particular. But we, um, I can remember when my kids were in your class, you had, I think it was in the hallway, you had a great big map. 
Yes. Maybe of the world. I yes. Think. And uh, your challenge, I don't know if it was for the summer. No, I think it was like a fall break challenge. Just if you go somewhere and find art, come back. Tell me where it was and we'll put a pin in the map. Yep, we did. With and the picture. Yeah, with a picture uh-huh. of where you were. And uh, that was one of the first times when our family was trying to get all the 50 states in. That was our goal before our kids left home. Um, that was our first big trip. And we went to the West Coast to San Francisco. And Savannah was like, we need to find art. Yes. Because I got to go back and show Miss Barfman. And we found a Dr. Seuss museum or something like that and took a picture. And she, yeah. that was the coolest thing. It's great. Well, and that's and the thing. The you just have to encourage seeking it out. Mm-hmm. That, that That's it. And I feel like possibly in, you know, a small, still fairly, you know, I think we're up and coming to be the Nashville. Uh, yeah. Sub, but, you know, we were a little rural town. And I can remember struggling a little bit teaching um, in the middle of Tennessee and kids being so excited, like, oh, I saw the Starry Night at Hardy's. Okay, great. You know, that's not the real <laughs> Starry Night at the Smyrna, Tennessee Hardy's. <laughs> But close though it so is close. i'm so proud you recognized it can you tell me how you knew like what are the identifiers yes. like yes. these types of things but still it was not the you know yeah she said you had um your tables in the classroom were labeled according to famous museums in the world yes. too at one point and she always thought that was very cool and i don't know when it was when we would have been there but anyway she apparently went to one of them so she either went to the met I bet it was the, the um, I bet it was that Guggenheim. I'm trying to think what other what Oh, MoMA would have been the other okay. one. She I'm she sure went to MoMA. Sure yeah. it was New York. That was fun. When they were first going to school here and I'm a new mom, I don't know what to expect, you know. What is what is school? What are children? I don't know. <laughs> you take so them. You just do your thing. Off to school <laughs> and they came home and I, I believe it was her again cuz she was my guinea pig telling me that one day in art class they were painting Michelangelo. And we're laying on the floor, and you had put the papers upside down on the underneath of their desks, and they were painting okay. like they were painting the Sistine Chapel. And I'm like, Great idea. That's it. She's the best. She's oh, the best art oh. teacher on the planet. I'm saying that, that now. That idea is like Pinterest everywhere, but it, like, it, I didn't come up with it. It yeah. was just, well, yeah. That was oh, it. I love that. That's another yeah. great do-it-at-home moms. Like, tape some paper under yes. your kitchen table. How cool. And it forces them to see a um, different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it even forces them to get out of their comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit. So it's like, you know, I'm always, I will always have two-dimensional people that excel at two-dimensional. They, they can draw, they can paint. And then once we hit clay, they are just frustrated mm. but then the opposite is also true they're frustrated with the two-dimensional and then they have the three-dimensional so just like trying to get them out of because I feel like that's good like the sharpie kit I was like these are wonderful <laughs> but we know you can do that now ah yeah. we, we know we can do that and just like life I feel like now that I'm years old it's like <laughs> okay so I have done all those big goals that I wanted to accomplish but What's next? Yes, yeah. what's next? What else can I do? Yeah. And Very that's fun. just a great life skill is to learn to do something that's hard, do something that is out of your comfort zone, to look at things from a different perspective. That's, that's what you're describing mm-hmm. by just exploring with art. So many beautiful things. That is, this is just reminding me of our conversation with Jamie Langley, who's like, get outside, get outside, get outside. Yeah. It's just... It's there's it's ours for the taking. It's so doable, mm-hmm. and it's it's universal. 
Mm. It's relatable. It's how we were created mm-hmm. to, no matter where you are, mm-hmm. no matter how you talk to, every single culture in the history of the world has made art. Mm-hmm. Right. And from the earliest to the oldest, mm-hmm. that you can take it with you when you leave school. You know, they do it in, in Alzheimer's facilities and yes. all, kind, all kinds of things like that. So mm-hmm. for therapy and play, I think that's so interesting. I love that. Love it. Is there anything else that we've missed? You know, we learned a lot of times as a mom, like, oh, from the child's eyes, the, the I didn't see it that way before. So but th- mm-hmm. to just be mindful of, you know, they can change your perspective as well. And what is their perspective? Like I talked a little bit more, I mean, I talked a little bit about the pre-schematic with the giant head and the long legs. And people have asked me for why, why, you know, they always do drawings this way. It's like literally think about their perspective. Perspective. They are small. Yeah. They see you as long legs and, and then your head. That's, <laughs> that's actually, in fact, why Marge Simpson has such tall hair because um, Matt Groening's uh, mom or inspiration had a French twist that, like, it just seemed like to him, her it seems hair so- <gasps> went on Aww. forever. Same way when babies wave, you know, and they'll have their fingers towards you. It's because you're waving at them with your fingers towards them. So they think they're doing it because they see fingers at me. Oh, wow. And that's why kids usually have trouble cutting because when we're teaching children to cut, most of the time a parent would be across the table from a child and they're cutting the paper and showing them how. So then the child naturally tries to make the scissors come towards them instead of away from them. So, you know, that's my takeaway. If you're a parent, okay. teach your child to cut scissors, to cut <laughs> by for standing the behind them. And <laughs> because you do, you just have to think of things from, from their perspective. Their perspective. And why would you from their do that? perspective. That's, that's, that is a great tip right that's there. That's a huge I don't think we'd, tip. Why would you naturally think that way? You wouldn't know to think that way. But very cool. Yeah. yeah. And just philo- they are, philosophically, think about it. Yeah. Anyway, that's a beautiful perspective. the world mm-hmm. from a different view. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They don't have your experience. And the huge thing that I've learned with the teaching for artistic behaviors, and you probably know because you're moms, you can tell them many times it's not going to stick until they try it and mess up (laughs) or until they discover it on their own. Mm. I can teach Mm -hmm. color mixing. I can tell them red and yellow make orange. But when I just say, oh, here are Try three this. colors, the pair of primary colors. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Then it sticks in their brain and they'll it never, ever forget because it. because it's become an experience over a lecture. Mm-hmm. Let's try to engineer things that way a little more. Mm-hmm. Figure out creative ways. Creative ways. Haha. To create experiences, experiences. instead of lectures. Just mm-hmm. in general. That's a great tip too. Yeah. Do you want to go through your life, body? with the person lecturing you about what you're experiencing or do you want to just go experience it? I mean, think about it. It seems so logical. Right. When when you say (laughs) that's why your adult children at a certain point completely turn your volume down because they're now in the experiential Mm -hmm. world and they don't have to listen to you anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that that's, you know, one of the great things about a, um, being a magnet school, they really are. We, we come from traditionally, they come from very stable homes. Um, 
they have very strong examples. So a lot of times when they come in the classroom, you know, they know. They, 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 they know. <laughs> they know. Miss Poppin, I know. Go ahead. I'll just sit over here as the woman that's been I teaching for years. why the city of Murfreesboro is paying and, and me. It's two, so frivolous. And, and two degrees. But, okay, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, you know what? I'm pretty sure I do, but go ahead and tell me. What did you learn? <laughs> what did you learn? You know, but that, that's the thing. You're going to tell your child multiple times, don't wear those shoes. They're too small or they're too, you have to wear socks. You'll get blisters. No. They're going to have to get the blisters <laughs> to really believe you. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. So because they know. They, they know. So <laughs> let them get the blisters. Let them get dirty. Let them get messy. Mm-hmm. Let them try yeah. things let out. Them, let them learn for themselves. Yay. You can guide them. But Love that. Well, that's a great spot, I think, to It's end a on. great spot. They're wonderful. Plus, Miss Boffman has Skittles <laughs> in her classroom. She gave me a little cup. Dear listeners, how many Skittles did I eat during this episode? <laughs> yeah, can back. you guess? At least like 17. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or did, I was doing flavor combos, two at a time. To be able to get all the colors, I buy different. Like So there's original mm tropical oh, i'm not yeah. so mean to throw in the sour that's why the pink ones are in there i'm like where'd the pink ones come from you have to have all colors represented mm-hmm. that's right. love it you want more information on the subject of kids and art just check out our website at justaskyourmom.com. connect with us on facebook and instagram and take five seconds to rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends and family and if you have topic suggestions send them our way to just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your mom, mom.